How do I sound from here? Go back again. How about from here? Yeah, I mean, you sound pretty good for both of them. Whatever's comfortable, dude. Yeah. It's a nice mic. I know. I think it's... Is it the same exact one that you have? I'm pretty sure it is, yeah. The white one is like ten dollars more, even though it's the same one. No, that might. <laughs> Maybe that was it. Yeah. All right, you ready for All this? Right. And welcome back to Pot on You Loons. Yeah, Minnesota's premier source for all things Australian A League soccer. <laughs> I'm I'm only kidding. They actually just canceled that too. But for about two weeks, <laughs> I was watching Australian A League soccer. It's and, the only thing on. Must, yeah, it must have been crazy because they didn't have fans, right? No, yeah, it was uh, empty stadium. I guess the first week that MLS was canceled, and I was watching, they had some fans in the stadium, but I think people already were kind of afraid of going, so it was pretty empty. Either that or they don't normally have fans. I don't know. I don't normally watch the (laughs) A-League. Yeah, I mean, like, so much of soccer is the crowd experience, right? So that's that's interesting that they would have it. But I guess it was it was soccer, though, right? It did the trick. Uh, last week, I was telling Jeremy my Saturday morning, Sunday morning routine is my daughter wakes up really early, and I go downstairs and I, you know, let her play with her toys while I just kind of slowly wake up and watch soccer. Gosh, the A League at least allowed me to continue that. But <laughs> any notable games that stood out to you? Uh, I guess I saw Melbourne City uh, defeat Sydney FC in the W League final. So that was pretty cool to just randomly watch a final, you know, not knowing what I was getting myself into. Yeah, I don't know. Captain James in the Netherlands, uh, one of our most loyal listeners of the show, keeps telling me I should be a Perth Glory supporter. But, you know, he'll he'll say Minnesota United is his favorite MLS team in the United States. But that's as far as he'll go because he's a Vancouver Whitecaps supporter just because he went there once. So even though he's, he went there like one time. Yeah. And even though he listens to our podcast every week, he's staying loyal to those white caps for some (laughs) reason. Well, he can, he can be the person that we talk to when we play the white caps, whenever that is. And he can give us a good (laughs) scouting report, right? Yeah. (laughs) You know, for that reason, actually, and I'm just thinking this now, I should tell him that the Perth glory are my favorite Australian (laughs) A-League team. But the Wellington Phoenix, now that's my A-League team. There you go. There you go. <laughs> but yeah, man, you're just getting back from Hawaii. How was it? Oh, man, that was probably the most bizarre vacation I've ever been upon. been to or had before, I guess. Uh, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Having your honeymoon during a pandemic is an interesting experience. Were you able to basically distance yourself from what was going on back home or... Obviously, it's still in the United States. Right. Uh, I mean, so I used to live in Hawaii, and, and there's definitely a different different vibe there, I guess. Like, you can, you, you know, you're, you know you're part of the United States, but but it's an island, and, and, and everything, what, the, what they call the continent of the United States is the mainland, right? So the mainland's just this whole different entity. The news and stuff is from the, there's news and stuff from the mainland, but, it, you know, you kind of feel like it's a separate world. Um, and that w- that was true when I was there. You know, they got their first confirmed COVID case the day before. Like we we left for there on Thursday, March twelfth, and I think the day before is when they got their first case. Uh, so the the feeling and the the nervousness wasn't quite there yet. The, on our on our Uber to our original hotel, 
the guy that we talked to mentioned that people were buying up all the TP. So that was happening there. But other than that, it was, you know, at least when we first got there, you really didn't feel any different, any difference, I guess, than, than normal. You know, so we spent our first four days on Oahu and, and we kind of, you know, we, there weren't any limitations to anything we did. So that was kind of bizarre because we'd, we'd go around and we'd explore the island. We'd eat great food. We'd see cool places, watch, watch surfers surf and everything. Uh, and then we'd go home at night and, and kind of look at our phones to like kind of recap the day back home. And it was completely different. Just, you know, every day it seemed like something new was, was happening or something new was closing down. So that was kind of bizarre. Wow. So what was it like then coming back? You know, back home, we were all hearing about what the airports were like and people being stranded and just everyone was saying, don't travel if if at all possible, don't travel. Uh, my dad, for example, canceled his spring break plans. I know a lot of the school that I work for, our spring break is coming up. A lot of people were canceling their plans. So how did it feel getting ready to come back? So, I mean, we, we were, the original plan was to be there for about 10 days. So, you know, we spent, like I said, the four, first four days were on Oahu. And then we, the plan was to go to Maui. Governor Walls shut everything down in Minnesota on Sunday, like right. Like, so we're, we're going to Maui on Monday and Sunday night for us is when we started, we heard about, you know, all the shutdowns and stuff and that, you know, schools were closing and stuff. And, you know, it still kind of felt weird. Like I said before, it didn't seem like anything was happening when we were over there. Just kind of looking at news from afar, I guess. So we, we ended up going to Maui still for the second leg of our trip. I mean, Maui was super great. Uh, The original plan was that was going to be kind of the relaxing part, staying at a resort. And we originally were supposed to stay there from Monday, Monday the 16th or whatever that was, until Saturday the 21st. But like every day was like more weird stuff was happening. More weird stuff was happening. Uh, Wednesday, you know, the Wednesday of that week, we actually got a letter that that the hotel was telling us that someone that had just left the resort had just tested positive for COVID. So that's when we started saying like, maybe we don't want to be here much longer. (laughs) Then stuff started closing around the resort. We had a luau we were going to go to that got canceled and all all this other stuff. So we ended up, instead of staying till Saturday, we left Thursday. Uh, And that was kind of frantic trying to get a flight. We got the last two, last two seats on a flight from Maui to LAX to Minnesota so that was kind of, we were kind of freaking out because if we didn't get those seats, we would have had to wait till Saturday. I mean, which, you know, it sounds like that wasn't an issue, but at the time we, we didn't know. We didn't know if they were going to close all the airports with how much, you know, how much things were sure. changing from day to day. Uh, we didn't know if the airports were going to be open the whole time. Yeah, traveling was kind of bizarre. Uh, people on the flights were wearing masks and gloves, rightly so. Everyone's nervous. Uh, you know, and we keep hearing about, I mean, you're, you're close quarters with people for six hours on an airplane, right? Like, you're going to get any people's business. So yeah, flying home, just kind of nervous, kind of anxious. Uh, it was kind of fun. like, it's funny, right? We were, we were wanting to hurry up and be able to just sit at home. You know, we wanted to like get it home as fast as possible just to like not have to worry about getting stuck somewhere. Cause I mean, I, I one of someone I teach with got stuck in Bali for like three more days than they wanted to because of travel restrictions. Yeah. Sure. Going home was crazy. The airports were kind of, different vibe, I guess. And, and then even like, you know, flying in, 
well, our pl- our plane was completely full, but but besides from a couple of flights that were coming in, the airports were pretty barren. I don't, I mean, I, like a lot of people choosing not to travel or were already where they needed to be. You know, flying in was kind of crazy though. Like we landed at like one o'clock on a Friday here in Minneapolis, and you know you're dr- you're flying from above and you look down and you see all the like you know you see 35W like major highway here just empty. You know, you see parking lots galore as you're flying down of, of normally busy places that are completely empty. So uh, it just started, it kind of looked like a ghost town. So that was, that was kind of bizarre. Yeah. I noticed on, uh, so I've, I've spent a lot of time in the past week or so delivering school supplies to some of our families. And there were maybe five families that I didn't get to last week. And on Monday morning, I went out into St. Paul and was just, you know, going house to house, going from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m., I made it through almost every neighborhood of St. Paul and back home to the West Metro in just those two hours. Right. It, there was hardly any traffic. I, I couldn't believe it. I was like, where where am I? Am <laughs> I back in Eau Claire? Like, what's going on here? I mean, we just got, we got shouted out by national media as being, you know, Minnesota, like one of the best the best social distancing states, the stats are, are showing that we're doing a good job at it. So, <laughs> I mean, to be honest, we were pretty good at social distancing before COVID. <laughs> that's the Scandinavian way, right? The, yeah. Uh, the upper the, Midwest way. Social distancing. That's just what we call manners, right? <laughs> but yeah, we have some real news today. Uh, we, we definitely have some nonsense today. Let's start with the nonsense though. I want to give a huge shout out to Trempeleau, Wisconsin. Trempeleau. Now, yeah, Trempeleau. Now, my my hometown, my beloved hometown is Madison. But with that said, about 12% of our listens come from Wisconsin. And of those 12%, I would have assumed we were Madison heavy, right? Like people I sent the podcast to, like my family, my friends, right, you know, right, all, right, all right. those people. That That would make sense. But no... 55% of our listens in Wisconsin come from this tiny like village of 2000 people called Trempeleau, Wisconsin, which is, I had to look it up on a map. It's in between Eau Claire and La Crosse, but maybe out a little bit. Right. How many, how many plays is that? Like over 10 at least. Okay. So that means that more, probably more than one person is listening in Trempeleau. Well, I suggested that I was like, yeah, it has to be more than one because unless they're logging in with multiple VPNs, then it would count as more than one listener if they're logging in as more than one VPN. But assuming that they're not going above and beyond to get a shout out on our on our show, like we have multiple listeners in Trempeleau, Wisconsin. Way to go, Trempeleau. Yeah, way to I actually had a small part-time job in Trempeleau County, but I've never been to Trempeleau, Wisconsin. But I I did have a part-time tutoring job in Osseo, Wisconsin, which is one of the main stops off the interstate uh, when you're you're heading that way. There's a really good diner there in Osseo. That's why I know about Osseo. Are you thinking of the Norsky Nook or are you thinking of the Moe's Almost Famous? I have no idea. I just know I went somewhere at the Osseo exit in Wisconsin and it seemed like a really busy restaurant. I've been, no, but now you say at the Norsky Nook, I've been there, but this one, there's another one that's right off the highway, right? I think that's the Moe's Almost Famous, yeah. Okay. And then Norsky Nook is in town? 
Yeah, you have to go a little bit into town for it, but it's famous for its pies. Yeah, that's I, I've been I've been to both actually. <laughs> yeah, I mean most people have. It's a great stop on your way east. But yeah, my hometown, my beloved hometown, known for going full mingo, <laughs> they're going significantly less than half mingo on the Pod on Yulun's podcast. You know, maybe there's some diehard there's some diehard mingo podcast they're just that's all they listen to you know there are mingo podcasts there's multiple i've i've looked it up but so right now justin what am i wearing right now you're wearing a mingo's jersey yeah i'm wearing mingo's jersey and i i specifically bought the home jersey because it looked like the flag of madison wisconsin you know the the light blue and the the white sash going diagonal justin what am i drinking right now you're drinking a uh, Wisconsin Old Fashioned, is that you called it? Yeah, a brandy Old Fashioned with Corbell, yeah. right? <laughs> I'm going to be as scony as I possibly can to get some more Madtown listeners. Because as much <laughs> as I love Trempolo, and I'm super psyched that we have these listeners in Trempolo, they should not account for over half of our plays in Wisconsin. No, that's a disgrace. That's a disgrace. Your hometown. Yeah. It's a disgrace to me. It's a disgrace to Madtown. Not to Trempolo. I love Trempolo. To Madtown, man. Come on. You got to get with it, guys. <laughs> I do want to take an opportunity, though, because we are grateful for all of our listeners. And since you are listening from the beginning, I truly do believe that you know we're all in this together. So I just want to take a list right now of every state that is represented in our listenership. First of all, we have two countries, um, obviously the United States and then the Netherlands, which that gentleman will be on the show next week. But within the United States, here are the states that are represented. Obviously, the majority of our listens are going to come from Minnesota. Roughly 70% of our listenership is represented in Minnesota. Then 12% come from Wisconsin, 6% in Illinois, which Country Club Hills Keeps racking up the numbers, so thank you, Country Club Hills. Hills. Pennsylvania, I'm pretty sure that was our friends at the wedding that we went to in Pennsylvania, because they're all from Philadelphia, but still. (laughs) Pennsylvania is represented. Funny, Hawaii is not. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Sorry. (laughs) It's all right, man. We'll get a real Hawaiian to listen. Uh, (laughs) Virginia, Virginia actually was one of our first states. New York, we've mentioned on the podcast before. Massachusetts, that's a new one. So I like, okay. thank you okay. out there in Massachusetts. And then Nebraska and Kansas. So thank you, everyone. Yeah, uh, if you could, yeah, we're psyched. We're really psyched. It means a lot that you're logging in. It means a lot that we're not just doing this for ourselves. Thank you for taking us on your commute, on your run, on your telecommute, or just listening to us uh, to, to relax after the end of a long day of staying at home with your kids. <laughs> Justin, we're still missing Iowa and the Dakotas from there, though. Yeah, step your game up. Come on now. (laughs) Maybe we think of some incentive to get Iowa or the Dakotas represented. Like like what? I don't know. Like, we don't have swag yet, right? Like, we don't have T-shirts or anything, but we can say, like, like? first, what do people in Iowa like? Yeah, what do people in Iowa like? Like, high V. (laughs) Just, like... How do we how do we appeal to the Iowans? I think Hy-Vee. 
Maybe we have, we could rag on Nebraska, but we have people listening in Nebraska, so I don't want to rag on Nebraska because I know I, I have some family in Iowa, and their number one thing that they hate is Nebraska, and one of their favorite pastimes is making fun of Nebraska. But I wouldn't do that. They also they hate like so if you're University of Iowa, they hate Iowa State, or Iowa State hates University of Iowa. So maybe we pick one of those to hate on. Yeah, I guess. And then we get half the state. <laughs> I don't see. I don't get the Dakotas though, because they're they're basically Western Minnesota, right? Like you think you think the Dakotas would get with us? I would think so too, and I think that's just where we haven't really started advertising this to the greater public yet. Like we've told our friends about it, we've yeah. made it so that you can search for it, but mm-hmm. we we haven't actually paid for any advertising. So I bet the Dakotas would find us with that. I do have a cousin that goes to school in one of the Dakotas. <laughs> Forget which one. I don't know where. She's she's in Sioux Falls. That's in North Dakota, right? South Dakota. Are you sure? No. <laughs> Google. Does it matter? South Dakota. Right, but North Dakota and South Dakota, they're pretty much the same thing, right? Uh, I mean, if we're trying to gain fans, I don't think we should talk like that. So. <laughs> See, I was just trying to rag on my cousin. I know that Sioux Falls is in South Dakota. <laughs> they got, I mean, they got the, they got the, the Mount Rushmore, right? Like they got something in the corn palace, corn palace. Yeah. <laughs> corn palace wall drug, sweet, man. wall drug, or is that North Dakota? No, wall drug is also South Dakota. <laughs> All right. So let's look at the news that we have coming up. We have the stay at home challenge led by our, <laughs> Led by our favorite loons. We have our own Scarves at Home Challenge that some Minnesota United supporters have been passing around at Twitter. We will we will kind of go over our own version of that. And then we have just an update around the world on how coronavirus is impacting the sport we love. Justin, let's start out with the stay-at-home challenge. Now, when you were in Hawaii, were you getting updates on this on the beach? Or should I lead this off? <laughs> So, I mean, yeah, so, uh, you know, I, I'm like a Twitter-holic. Twitter-aholic, I guess, would be the best way to say it. So I was I was seeing the stuff when I was, you know, during my downtime and is impressed with some of the costumes that people were wearing. I think Tyler Miller had some sort of costume when he was doing his. Uh, you know, some guys are just wearing their full kit uh, as they're doing it. I think it's kind of reckless, though, with how, how prized toilet paper is right now that they would be using it for, for a, a game, but... Oh, no, it's, it's okay, awesome. boomer. <laughs> yeah, what what do you think that costed? Like, what, like four sheets? You had to throw away four <laughs> sheets because your foot touched it? <laughs> yeah, but uh, Dane St. Clair, Ethan Finlay, Miguel Batman Ibarra, Christian Ramirez has been doing all sorts of goofy things on social media to keep us entertained. Can't remember if the... You know, TP Challenge was one of them. But yeah, Tyler Miller, as Justin mentioned, uh, yeah, he's wearing like one of those Christmas suits you could buy at Target. That's right. That's right. That's what it was. Yeah. And then there was like some kid named Oliver who I can't figure out if I'm supposed to know who Oliver is. He's just like a grade school kid. But he was kicking around the toilet paper and got retweeted by Minnesota United. So nice. Good job, nice. Oliver. Excellent Good job. Oliver. I've never been retweeted by Minnesota United. So <laughs> good job. But. Yeah, I, I just appreciate the star athletes using using some of that star power for the right thing. Well done, guys. 
supporters of Minnesota United started doing the Scarves at Home Challenge, which we will then, Justin and I, and actually my wife, Sarah, we're going to quickly talk about what, what our scarves are. Our first scarf, our newest scarf, our favorite scarf, and then the fourth category was a scarf you traded for, but I, the three of us aren't really traders of scarves, so we'll just go with the most random scarf we own. If anything, this challenge this challenge made me realize how diehard some some Minnesota United fans are. Like how many scarves that people have. It's crazy. Super cool. Right. And I always felt guilty when I'd go to a game and brought home a new scarf. My wife would be like, You have enough scarves. And I was I was with you when you you what you you signed up for a subscription to Star Tribune to get a scarf. Yeah, because I had for like I went to that game straight from work and forgot to bring my scarf. So yeah, right. like I could get a free scarf if I signed up for a free trial of the Star Tribune that I then forgot to unsubscribe from. Yeah, right? How many how many months did you get the Star Tribune after that? Uh, I think it was only six. It wasn't that long. <laughs> or, no, I think it was like three. I think okay. I had it for that summer and then it was done. <laughs> So should we just go in a circle? And my, my wife is down here to join us. Oh, hello, so Sarah. Justin, what was the first scarf you ever had? So they don't have, you guys can't see this, but I'm holding up my, yeah. my loon scarf, my come on you loon scarf that I got in anticipation of my first game. Uh, I went to the, the black and blue store at Allianz Field right before it opened. And I, I bought a scarf there. And, you know, the come on you loons just, one just kind of stood out to me. Pretty standard. It's got the wings on the back, which are rad. It's a cool scarf. I'm kind of a newbie to the scarf game, so I don't have many, but that was my first one. Sweet. Yeah, and again, we're going to post, uh, we'll take a picture of our scarves, and we're going to post them to our social media pages, our Facebook, our Twitter, our Instagram, so that you can actually see them. My first scarf, actually, uh, in 2012, I returned to England for the first time since I had been a student there in 2008, and I toured Stamford Bridge. It was just a relatively basic Chelsea FC scarf with uh, with the shield on there, but yeah, it was a Chelsea FC scarf, so that was my first scarf. Sarah? My first scarf is from Real Vitalid. I studied abroad there in 2008, and that was my souvenir for myself. Yeah. Awesome. Nice. Also, yeah. that nice. year, by the way, was the only time that I remember that Real Valladolid beat Madrid, so that was a big deal. That's awesome. And you were you were not at that game, but you a lot of your classmates were. Most people went. Yeah. 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 That, Bummer, I missed it. Yeah, it sucks going to Europe when you're like 20 because you just don't have money to do these memorable. Spent things. all my money just to get there, pretty much. Right, and the exchange rate was so bad at the time that. Like, I didn't go to any soccer games while I was there. Like, that would have been the perfect time. But how, how, much, how much would it cost? How much would it cost to go to a game, like, in U.S. dollars? So, at the time, so where I was in Winchester, Southampton was only 20 minutes away. And I probably could have gone to Southampton for, you know, 20 to 30 pounds. But the problem was, is at the time, the exchange rate in the, for the United States dollar against the British pound was about two to one. So spending 20 pounds on something was like spending $40. Right. You know, I, I saw St. Mary's stadium in Southampton, but I didn't actually go, you know, we, we would go to pubs occasionally to watch some big games, but yeah, like we, we couldn't actually, I couldn't actually afford to go to any. 
Justin, the next category would be newest scarf. So what's the newest scarf you own? So my, my newest scarf uh, is actually, it's a, a Go Tommy's scarf. So I went to the University of St. Thomas and I went to a football game. They hosted a, like an American football game this past year against the rival St. John's University. And they handed out scarves to us as we went in. So for an American football game in a soccer stadium, I have a Go Tommy's scarf for the mascot of my college. Nice. Did they hand those to St. Uh, St. John's fans too? No, they, I think they were just looking for people in Tommy gear to hand them to. Because I That's think pretty- if they would have handed them to Johnny's, they may have gotten burnt or <laughs> thrown in the toilet or something. That's pretty awesome. That's a sweet souvenir. Yeah. My, my newest scarf I actually just bought when I was with you. It was you and I went to the Gold Cup at Allianz Field, and we went to the Black and Blue store, and I wanted something that represented the U.S. I wanted a summer scarf, too, because it was hot, but I also kind of wanted to represent Minnesota, because how often do we go to, you know, U.S. games? So Right, right, I, right. I got, like, a scarf of the American flag, but with the loon on it, and that, nice. was, what, that was what I wore at that game at the Gold Cup. Sarah? Mine is the Minnesota United scarf that has the skyline on it. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, that's a super cool scarf. I think that's my most recent. Yeah, that, that one is cool. I, I remember when we, we got our scarves for the first time. Since then, Sam has probably bought four <laughs> or five scarves, but, you know. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and it has Minneapolis and St. Paul on that's it. That's so yes. It's pretty sweet. It's very cool. All right. So, Justin, favorite scarf. Uh, mine, you know, I'm, though I am a huge loons fan, it was really fun to go to the gold cup. So I also got a gold cup scarf, but mine was us USA specific. So just a cool United States scarf, summer scarf with gold cup on it. That was just a really cool experience. It was great to see the national team to see some of the wonder, the wonder boys and stuff playing. Got to see Pulisic. That was a good time. So the scarf just reminds me of, that game it was a it was a great time. Awesome, yeah. My my favorite scarf, keeping with the theme of shaming Madison for having <laughs> fewer listeners than Trempolo, Wisconsin. Shame. My my favorite scarf is I went to the I went to the game where Forward Madison FC hosted Minnesota United last summer, and I bought the split scarf that said oh. Battle of the Birds on it, and it had both the minnesota united branding and the forward madison branding and that that scarf is sweet because it represents both my favorite teams my favorite american teams anyway it represents my hometown and the city i live in now and yeah and it's a nice summer scarf which considering in the united states we see most of our games when it's hot out so i like having that lightweight summer scarf so sarah your favorite scarf my favorite scarf is from Croatia. They have a to- soccer team called the Cro- Hajduk Split. So my yeah. maiden name is very uncommon here, but <laughs> there it's the name of a very f- famous soccer team. So uh, a couple of my brothers went to Croatia and just bought up the Hajduk Split uh, souvenir shop. So that's my favorite scarf. And I think they got free drinks anywhere they showed their IDs. In that. <laughs> that's what they claim. So who knows? <laughs> That's awesome. Now, now, Justin, you're done at three, right? So 
when we go to the next category, which will be most random scarf we have, you're I mean, you're out. Yeah, I'm done. But I mean, the Tommy's scarf is pretty dang random, so <laughs> it'll, it comes through. It counts. But yes, I, I am. I'm done. I only have three. I'm. I am. I'm not a, a scarf guy. Sure. Yet. Yet. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things that once you have a few, you end up just being like, oh yeah, I can buy one more, right? <laughs> Or people give them to right. you as souvenirs. Or yeah, people give them to you as well, which is <laughs> why we have this disgusting Liverpool scarf <laughs> in our collection. <laughs> Don't tell my parents. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, my my most random one would be we were in Glasgow during a UEFA Champions League kind of early round game where they were playing Cliftonville, which is a Northern Ireland team. What someone at a pizza restaurant was telling us was that a lot of fans of Cliftonville and Celtic, who they were playing each other, a lot of fans of Cliftonville are also fans of Celtic. Mm -hmm. So similar to my forward Madison and then Minnesota United split scarf, this Cliftonville slash Celtic scarf was pretty significant to a lot of those Cliftonville fans that they're like smaller Northern Ireland team was playing like the big Scottish team, you know, Celtic, you know, arguably the biggest team in Scotland. So that is probably the most random scarf I have in the sense that it was purely a souvenir. We were just in town while the game was going on. We didn't even really have time to watch it because I think we were in Edinburgh while the game was actually going on. Our hotel was in Glasgow and yeah, we stopped at the Celtics Celtic store and, I picked up that scarf as a souvenir. Uh, Sarah? I believe it's called Plymouth FC. Is that the Pl- Plymouth Argyle. <laughs> Plymouth Argyle. So when Sam and I bought our house in Plymouth, he decided that I needed a scarf that said Plymouth on it. And uh, I don't even know what league they play in somewhere in England, but uh, that's my most random scarf. That is true. I, I think they're in League One. Okay. So that is the third tier of English soccer. Yeah, so... When we bought our house in Plymouth, that was our first house. And I knew that there was a soccer team called Plymouth. And I knew that Sarah liked her liked her collection of scarves. And so yeah. her brother was stationed in England at the time. And so I basically, I ordered the scarf online, had it shipped to her brother uh, who had an English address. And then the next time he was in the States, he brought it to us. So. Fantastic. I went through a lot of effort to get that scarf uh, because if I would have just shipped it to the United States, it would have been like $50. It, it was worth it. It's a nice addition. So, yeah, thanks for joining us, Sarah. Yeah, thanks, Sarah. Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know, Justin, maybe next week if we have time to kill. Not that we really have a lot of time to kill. We actually, I'm looking at our notes and we're not even like halfway done. And the rest of it's all like serious stuff. But... <laughs> Maybe next week we do jerseys. Do you have multiple soccer jerseys? Oh, I have a, I have uh I have two, three, three, three soccer jerseys, and two of the three have tremendous stories attached to them. So Okay. Uh so yeah, so I'll definitely talk about that. I also think that we should, you know, on our production meeting, maybe like talk about what stuff we're binging. I don't know if, if Sam's binging anything, but coronavirus is the time to binge television shows, right? So maybe we can talk about that too. I don't know. I don't know. I have one of those jobs that's been busier since coronavirus. And then I also don't have daycare for my daughter anymore. So oh. 
talking <laughs> about a lot of what binging. You binge watched your daughter do. <laughs> yeah, right. I binge watched my daughter rub boogers all over my couch. That is only <laughs> like about a year old. <laughs> oh, Cece. Oh, sweet, sweet Cece. <laughs> but yeah, let's let's get into the real news. Half hour over a half hour into our episode, let's get into the real news. Man, a lot, so, a lot. The coronavirus is affecting a lot of stuff, huh, Sam? <laughs> yeah, but what I like about it is, of the podcast I've listened to, what we just did for the past half hour is so totally acceptable. Just people <laughs> just kind of want to be us. Like people don't want anything serious. Like everything in life is serious right now. So why would right. you listen to a podcast that was just one hundred percent just on point and? you know, making you think and right. This is where we're trying to give these people an escape, right? So let's talk about how coronavirus is affecting their sports, <laughs> right? The thing that you normally use as an escape from your everyday life. <laughs> so the Olympics you're all looking forward to that were going to take place this summer. They have Canceled. officially been announced on Tuesday, uh, that the Tokyo 2020 Olympics have been postponed to 2021. Sam, do you, so, so trivia, there have been three times, so this, I said canceled, that was wrong, and it's been postponed, but there have been three other occasions where the Olympics have not occurred when they're supposed to, or in these cases, they were canceled. Do you know when they were? I feel like two of them were because of World War II. Yeah, so 1940 and 1944 were both canceled because of World War II. So then... The third, would it be World War One? Right, nineteen sixteen was okay. canceled because of World War One. Okay. So this is the first time. This is the first time that, that the Summer Olympics have ever, you know, not happened because of something other than war. Uh, and they postponed it to next year, so it'll be the first time that a, a Summer Olympics have ever been an odd year. That's going to also be a new thing. Okay. So. I want to just talk about what this means for our U.S. men's national team and our U.S. women's national team. And I'll start with the men because, honestly, usually I don't really care too much about our U.S. men's national team during the Olympics because it's essentially a U23 squad. In the Olympics, you are required to have almost your entire team be under the age of 23. But this year I was excited for it because of the Minnesota United connection. We are going to... Uh, so for the qualifiers, Hassani Dotson was on the roster and Mason Toy was on the short list. Uh, Chase Gasper was just barely too old. He was actually he's actually 23 right now with the postponement. I'm I'm still wondering. So will next year, will this be a U24 competition? Because Hassani Dotson will be 23 in 2021 what that means for him and his prospects of actually making it to the Olympic squad. I don't know, but I was excited to watch him this summer and I I hope he gets the chance next year, but who knows? Uh, Mason toy will only be 22 next year in 2021. So should he continue on the trajectory that he was on? I would assume that he would be in consideration for the Olympic roster. Our U S women's national team, I don't know about you, Justin, but this is actually, this is the soccer that I watch during the Olympic years. Yeah, I was super excited when we talked about it. You, you definitely talked me in being super excited for the women's team. 
So it's, it's a bummer that we're not going to have that this summer. Because unlike the men's team, we actually get the full-powered U.S. women's national team during the Olympics. It's almost like a slightly, a slightly scaled-down World Cup, but you, you know most of the best women's soccer powers in the world going all out to win this thing. This year would have been especially exciting because we were going to, you know, try to see if the U.S. Women's National Team could become the first team to win the World Cup and then win the Olympics immediately after, which would have been awesome to watch. So even sure. our U.S. Women's Team. That's something they've never accomplished. I also was predicting the 2020 Olympics as kind of being the last hurrah for what I'm going to refer to as the old guard of the U.S. Women's National Team. So, Justin, I just want to—I just want you to hear me out. Here are the U.S. Women's National Team stars who are over the age of 30. Now, I'm not saying that 30 means you're done, but we're not all. Carly Lloyd, right? Like hitting the hitting the age of 30 for both men and women kind of means you're you're towards the end of your of your prime, you're towards the end of right. your professional career. Right. You're you're on the downswing, I guess, right? So just I'll just start with one that's maybe not that big of a deal uh because she's a goalkeeper and goalkeepers have proven to be able to kind of extend their career, but mm-hmm. Alyssa Nair, she's 31. Becky Sauerbrunn, 34. Ellie Krieger, 35. Kelly O'Hara, 31. Carly Lloyd, uh, she seems ageless at 37. I, I don't I don't know. Maybe when she's 47, maybe she'll stop being awesome. But Megan Rapino, 34. Tobin Heath, 31. Kristen Press, 31. And then Alex Morgan is 30. Though this might actually be of an advantage for her considering you know, she's expecting her firstborn. She's expecting her firstborn in April. So maybe now she'll have a little bit more time to recover before the Olympics. Right. Um, I mean, yeah, that's, there's a lot of age to that group, but I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like I get where you're coming from, but I, I think that this group has kind of defied, you know, the norm, I guess, for, for age. I, I don't know. I mean, Carly Lloyd, I could see maybe her stepping away. But most of those other people, I think, I think there's a good chance that a lot of them are still, you know, contributing. I mean, Megan Rapinoe, she's going to be a part of this team as long as she can, right? Like, yeah, she's the superstar. So, yeah, I oh, get and what you're I for saying. sure was expecting them to light it up this year in the Olympics, and I expect right. them to light it up next year in the Olympics. But I do not necessarily think all of those people I just listed off are going to be focal points of the next World Cup. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. And this this I'm not trying to say that this is the demise of the US women's national team right. as like the power. We have these younger stars like Rose Lavelle, uh Lindsay oh, Horan, Mallory Pugh, Ellie Dahlkemper, who hopefully we see in the stands in the Wonderwall at some point, right? Since, yeah, for sure. Since since her boyfriend is big celery, right? Like big celery represent she probably wants to come out say say hi, right? Like Right. Um, and, and with just how tremendous our, our national team, you know, the youth programs in our country and the college programs in our country, you know, there's probably stars that we don't even know about yet, right, that sure. are going to burst onto the scene. And they're all joining stars that are still in their prime, right? Like we still have like right. Julie Ertz in her later 20s, you know, Crystal Dunn, you know, same, same thing, later 20s. Like mm-hmm. they're going to be fine. Like we have one of the elite teams in the world, but – a lot of these stars we've kind of grown to love over the years. 
I'm not the only one to think that maybe the Olympics was the last chance to see that team, you know, that, that team that we grew to love and the identity that they, you know, that they formed, maybe that was it. Yeah, you're right. Enough about our national team. Uh, We are a Minnesota United podcast, so let's talk about the MLS. So, Justin, when are we going to see the MLS again? Uh, The current return date looks to be May 10th. I don't know. I'm not sure that that'll happen. I mean, you know, things keep changing, but, but that's what they're saying right now. Yeah, the biggest thing I'd say about May 10th is just because the country is recovering from coronavirus by May 10th does not mean our MLS teams are ready to play May 10th. Right. Like they're going, once we are doing better, they're going to need time to get back into training. And they might even have a shortened preseason again or something like a redo of the preseason. Yeah. And especially Minnesota United, they're clicking on all fronts. You know, right now, Minnesota United is not training together. Well, they can't. (laughs) No, they, yeah, they, they can't. And so we can't, just assume that everything is going to continue. So May 10th to me is optimistic just because that implies that by mid April, which isn't that long from now, that's only three weeks from now. If three weeks from now, we're going to be mostly back to normal or at least heading back to normal. I'm thrilled. Is that what I actually think is going to happen? I don't know, but let's say it does Uh, happen where we return to having MLS on May 10th. What does that mean? Well, originally the final match day of the season of the regular season was scheduled for Sunday, October 4th. So as far as we know, the MLS regular season will still end on Sunday, October 4th. We are two games into a 34 match regular season, which would mean if the season does start on May 10th, we would have 21 weeks left to play in order to end by October 4th. So this would mean within that season, we only need to cram eight weeks worth of games into the already scheduled regular season. Um, Of course, other options would exist. Like we could possibly extend the regular season and push back the MLS Cup playoffs. Last year, the final was on November 10th in 2019. As a Minnesotan, I don't see anything criminal about pushing outdoor soccer back later into November. So that's potentially some time that you can make up. Right. But what this shows me is that the MLS is looking forward to some, a lot of Wednesday, Saturday weeks, a lot of weeks where Minnesota plays on Wednesday and then gets back in on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Like a lot of the other sports have talked about shortening the season. I mean, that's definitely an opportunity too, uh, like a possibility as well. Obviously, use the revenue, but I mean, Wednesday, Wednesday, Saturday weeks would be that'd be killer for these guys. That's a lot of games and not a lot of not a lot of time off. So, I mean, it could happen. I guess it depends. You know, and maybe we look for, like, for example, Minnesota United was going to play in this new Nations League with with some of the top teams from Liga Mekis. Right. Maybe that doesn't happen. Maybe we wait until next year. I mean, are they there at this point? Are those important games? Right. Like you probably you, you basically have to cut anything that's not essential. Yeah. Um, to, to, the to the U.S. Spread. Open Cup. We had fun with that last year, but we right. saw even Minnesota United didn't really take it seriously until maybe that Portland uh, was that the semifinal with Portland. Right. 
Yeah, it wasn't until it got deep, deep in it. So may, maybe MLS teams aren't in the Open Cup. Maybe we let the USL teams and the and other teams like Minneapolis City. Maybe we let them duke it out in the Open Cup. Right. I do hope the U.S. Open Cup still takes place though, because Minneapolis City was actually, and this is another plug for Madison. See, Madisonians, you should be listening to Pod on You Loons. But Minneapolis City was set to play an away match with a kind of a lower level side from Chicago. And if they would have won that game in Chicago, they would have advanced to play the Mingos in Madison at Bree Stevens Field. <laughs> I mean, that's still, that still could happen, you know. And I do we'll hope it does. As someone who was getting into the Mingos last year, I actually had a lot of fun watching the U.S. Open Cup with, with the Mingos because while it didn't necessarily mean much for the MLS teams in the early rounds, Every game with the Mingos was just so exciting because they got within one game away from playing an MLS team. And just the idea of that was just so exciting that, you know, I just really wanted it to happen. So once like Minnesota United started playing like Portland, I got super into the loons in the U.S. Open Cup. But early on, I was all about the Mingos in that cup. Well, it gives it gives you a chance for these small teams to to kind of get to a bigger stage, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we we ended the hopes and dreams of of what New Mexico, New yeah, Mexico which that team. was an awesome story, right? For them, like I mean, that was huge. Like the run that they went on t- to play us and kind of got out of hand a little bit when, <laughs> when that game happened, but but they did uh, get that first goal, and that was huge. They did, and that was ooh, that was huge, yeah. Because they like uh, sent like chartered flights out to Allianz Field and right. Like, that was probably some of the most away fans we had all year long at oh, Allianz. Oh, for sure. Oh, for that sure. That was so cool. You know, you don't hear about pro sports in New Mexico very much. You don't right. even hear about college sports in New Mexico very much. <laughs> do you? Do we even hear about New Mexico much? You know, <laughs> Sarah has family there. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah. Shout out to Farmington, New Mexico. Sarah's from Farmington, Minnesota, and she has family in Farmington, New Mexico. That's so. right. That's right. <laughs> that's like the third thing by the way that she'll tell you when you meet her is that <laughs> she's from farmington and has family in farmington new mexico that's right that was like one of my first experiences i, I know i know sam's wife from high school and in ninth grade when i met her she was wearing a like a farmington scorpions sweatshirt and i was so confused because we were the tigers right so i was like what's this random scorpion sweatshirt about I'm glad that you're saying this because I know that Sarah's going to hit me when she hears this podcast and me making fun of her about Farmington, New Mexico. And the fact that you just like confirmed everything I said, <laughs> because you and I didn't talk about this ahead of time. Oh, we didn't. This is, this is yeah. the first time. <laughs> That's awesome. You knew that they were the scorpions. That's great. So coronavirus sucks, but I think there are a few people on this team that it actually does help. Uh, especially in the short term. Right. So like Robin Lud, we originally were going to have to ship him off to the Euros to go play for Finland. And with the Euros postponed to 2021, he's now ours for the year, assuming nice. the year happens. We already mentioned Hassani Dotson. For, first of all, if we're cramming all these games into into a shorter amount of time. Hassani Dotson is going to be the first one that benefits from more playing time. He also is not going to be gone with the U S men's national team at the Olympics. Mason toy 
same thing. He wasn't necessarily a lock for the Olympics, but he now has no possibility of going over to the Olympics this year. So not only will he get more playing time because Luis Amaria, you know, can't just be starting every single game down the stretch. So Mason right. Toy is going to get more playing time and we're not going to lose him. Justin, your guy, Raheem Edwards, he's Raheem. going to get more playing time. And then finally, Thomas Chacon. What what do we think about Thomas Chacon? Yeah, he he'll, he should get a lot of run then, right? At least more opportunity. Yeah. Maybe maybe that's all he needs. As a fan of Chelsea, uh, Chelsea, if you haven't been following them, they're on a transfer ban right now. And a lot of their young guys have been just thrown in before they were ready. And some of them have really stepped up. Some necessarily haven't. Many of them have stepped up. Maybe Thomas Chacon could benefit from just needing to be thrown into the deep end. Mm. But yeah, Justin, who could this schedule hurt? The old people, Sam. <laughs> we got some old guys on the squad. Who are still younger than us. <laughs> well, maybe I mean, not Ozzy. 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 I think Ozzy's older than us, but Ike Opara is definitely younger than us. Ike Opara is, let's see, let's see how I compare to Ike Opara. He's younger than us. <laughs> uh, but, but as far as like pro soccer. Is he hit 30, 30? Right? He's 31. So like okay. as, as yeah. Sam, Sam, you brought up before, right? Like 30 is kind of, you know, for soccer players, kind of when you start to go downhill a little bit, right? You know, we, we talked in a lot of our pre preseason stuff and, and we kind of, we saw it in the first game. We saw Agopara struggle a little bit, right? Uh, he came back and had a great second game, which was awesome. But Ozzy and Ike, they're not getting any younger. And, you know, maybe the time off will be helpful for them. You know, especially if they, we talk about, you know, trying to cram a schedule together like you, you were mentioning. I can't imagine that they're playing every single Wednesday, Saturday game, right? It's going to hurt the amount of games that they're playing just because of the season being shrunk. Those older guys, they're going to be the ones that are most affected by this. I really think should the schedule be condensed the way that it currently is planned, we're going to find out if our depth has really improved. If you listen right. to our preseason episodes, if you've been following Minnesota United in the offseason, you know, Adrian Heath really wanted to project that he thought the depth of the team was better. Well, now's the time when we find out because it's these moments of adversity, you know, when players start getting hurt, which inevitably happens, Right. you know, not necessarily major injuries, but wear and tear, people start missing time. Do you have a Hassani Dotson to thrust into the, into the lineup? Maybe Hassani Dotson is already in the lineup. So when someone else goes down, who is the next man up? Is it Marlon Harrison? Is it Raheem Edwards? Who is it? Because we're going to need people to step up. Right. But here's the thing. Every team in the MLS is going to need people to step up. They're all in the same boat, right? They're all, they're all kind of going through the same experience, right? For sure. Now, I do want to move our attention to Europe just because, you know, Europe, that's the big time over there. And a lot of what happens in Europe, and, and granted, I know that they're, in a diff, they're under di- different circumstances, In Europe, their season is getting into, you know, the final third or the final quarter where in the MLS, the season was just getting started. There are some different circumstances, but we can learn from what's going on in Europe to kind of try to predict what's going to happen in the MLS. UEFA Euros postponed until 2021. Um, UEFA Champions League and Europa League postponed indefinitely. Who knows? Um, 
the way I interpret what I'm hearing from UEFA is that if the Europa League and the Champions League do not finalize sometime in June, I kind of think that they're just not going to happen. Yeah, that's crazy. That they're just going to end the season, which, you know, the, the UEFA Champions League, that final is kind of Europe's Super Bowl. Right, for sure. As a Chelsea fan and as someone who, you know, studied for a while at a university in England, I tend to focus on England uh, with all of this. From the English perspective, and this does not necessarily seem seem true of all federations within UEFA, they seem determined to finish the 2019-20 season prior to starting a new season. And to me, the reason they seem so determined is all money. Mm. And specifically, it sounds like their large TV contracts that they have in countries around the world, those TV contracts, you know, not providing those games will have severe financial implications for the Premier League should the Premier League not wrap up their season. So right now, as reported in the Telegraph, it's looking like in English soccer, all remaining games are looking to resume on June 1st and try to wrap up by July 11th, which, so a little under a month and a half, most teams in England have nine remaining league games. Some have 10. All of these games will be played behind closed doors. And when the season wraps up on July 11th, right now that's only four weeks before the start of the 2020-21 season. And I haven't even gotten into the FA Cup, which (laughs) still has eight teams remaining, including my beloved Chelsea. So the questions I still have after reading this article in The Telegraph, I guess I'm just assuming that the contracts that were set to expire at the end of June will just automatically be extended, you know, 11 days and now end on July 11th. And I guess I'm just assuming, you know, UEFA last week had put out a statement saying, you know, the leagues are going to do what they want to finish their season or not finish their season. But we need to know who's going to play in the 2020-21 Champions League by the end of June. I guess I'm just assuming that UEFA is extending that as well, because there is a tight Champions League race in England right now. Besides that, just around the continent, the Bundesliga in Germany has been delayed until April 30th. Liga 1 in France has been delayed until June 15th. La Liga in Spain has been postponed indefinitely. Syria in Italy, anytime I try to find out information about it, it just seems like they have bigger things that they're worried about right now. Right. Italy's not worried about sports. And then on the opposite end of the spectrum, uh, the Turkish Super League, they only suspended less than a week ago, Mm. which uh, former Chelsea player John Obi Mikel currently playing in that league. He actually was willing to abandon his contract because over his disagreement with the league's decision to keep playing, not wanting to put his health at risk. Heavy stuff, man. A lot of heavy stuff. Yeah. Heavy stuff, man. I I just hope that everything is uh, obviously sport comes second in all of this. Mm -hmm. Obviously sport comes second, but you know, at the same time as I'm, you know, doing everything I can to stay inside and not go out. Entertainment is nice. And this is one of my favorite forms of entertainment. So 
Yeah, it's hard to not have sports. Uh, sports usually does a great job of taking our mind off of the the sad stuff in life. So makes it a little bit more real, right? Because we don't have anything really to, to interrupt things because we don't have sports to watch. <laughs> so our next episode, and we do plan to keep going, and actually we have more than enough to talk about. I was... I joked with Jeremy last week while you were gone, Justin. I, I joked that I was going to make you write the script, but this script more or less wrote itself. It's my and, and with the way the the way the world has changed from day to day. Yeah, I mean, a whole week like there's going to be a lot of stuff that goes down, good and bad. Hopefully, well, mostly good. <laughs> so we're going to continue to make our best attempt at uh, continuing to provide some normalcy to our listeners as well as ourselves. I was really looking forward to this. I don't know about you, Justin, but I just wanted to do something normal, you know, right. interact with someone. Uh, I have my wife and daughter who I am just psyched to have around during a time like this. But anytime I get to talk to someone through any media, I'm lucky. We will continue to update everyone on the impact of coronavirus on the sport we all love. But then, uh, you know, we, we have a guest and Justin our guest has an English accent. Ooh, nice. Nice. Right? Like, we were looking to provide some legitimacy to the show. Oh, for sure. And uh, I think his accent alone is going to provide some legitimacy. You know, he's going to basically compare and contrast the experience of the sports fan in the United States versus the sports fan in Europe and just kind of go over everything share some of his experiences. I think it's going to be super interesting. Yeah, that's, that's going to be super cool. Yeah, my, my experiences are, there are a lot of things that if you knew about sporting culture in Europe, and maybe you already know, but still be interesting to hear from. He's an English guy that spent a lot of his like coming of age years in Australia, but then now lives in the Netherlands. So you're going to hear about you're going to hear his perspective and it's super interesting. Um, I've learned a lot from him. So even if you do have an understanding of how sporting culture is in Europe, you're going to like listening to him. But if you don't have an idea of what sporting culture is like, there are going to be things that just don't even make sense to you. And you're going to be so intrigued by the things that he says. Yeah. I'm excited for it for sure. So Justin, I raised my, my Wisconsin brandy old fashioned to you. Yes. Stay safe, buddy. And I look forward to talking to you next week and uh, texting you frequently until then. <laughs> Pot on you loons. Pot on you loons. Oh, and I figured out a way to play code names on the internet if you want to join. Ooh, we should do that. <laughs> yeah, just let me know. All right. Pot All right. on you loons, man. Pot on you loons. Pot on you loons.